the hate was real. It doesn't get any more personal than that. Straight out the left. On today's episode, we talked to four times World's Strongest Man competitor and the winner of the World's Strongest Man 105 category, International Federation Strength Athlete World Champion and England's Strongest Man. He's not only known as one of the best strongmen to come out of Britain, but now one of the world's best promoters with his show, Giant's Life. He is also director of World's Strongest Man competition, which holds the most prestigious and coveted title in Strongman. Here's a podcast with Darren Sadler. Straight out the lair, joined today by my good friend Darren Sadler, four-time World's Strongest Man competitor, one of the greatest short strongman <laughs> ever, the World's Strongest Man dra- uh, tournament director, and also Giants Live owner. Yeah, I think that's, Promoter. About, it. that's about it, really. That's all you can say. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. that, man. <laughs> Welcome to Las Vegas. Thank you, yeah. Officially, just so it's known to the viewers, it is now, I think it's what, nine o'clock at night. This is the officially the latest podcast myself and Tyus have ever done. That's because you were late. I No, but we were starting late. Listen, I never come <laughs> at this time of the, so, so that we don't trail this podcast from the start onto other factors, but... Here at the gym, I never come this late, so there's a lot of faces that train at this time that have never met me, never seen me. My dash to the toilet prior to the podcast took 30 minutes. But you're, again, we're not talking about toilet fucking expeditions, yeah? I hope not. And I hopefully you've gone to pee prior to this podcast because you're good to go. But Daz, again, you've got so many different things going on in your world, in Giants Live around the world. What brings you to Las Vegas? Just here having a look around a few places and just exploring avenues, really. Like, I love the place. It's cool. Obviously, come to see you, Flex, as well. Such a liar. <laughs> There's always so much going on here, and it's always alive. I was on the strip last night, just went for a walk just to take it all in. Literally, I just went for a walk for a couple of hours. But it's just so infectious. Yeah. And everyone comes here for their own different reasons. But, yeah, it's great. It's so alive. And I think it'd be nice to do a show here. That's my thoughts. And we've been out here exploring those avenues. You've definitely been exploring. You've been trying to get me on these uh, late-night walks. <laughs> we stay as a local far away from the Strip as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've been staying on the Strip. And, and again, with the Formula 1 that's coming to Las Vegas, I think, in less than, than, a, than a month's time, which is, you know, praised to be one of the biggest events that Las Vegas have ever held. There's a lot of infrastructure that's changing down there. There's a lot of excited people. And again, that's what you're getting to see now. There's people that are already here preparing for the F1, and there's a lot of buzz in this town too. And as as you said, Las Vegas is the place. It's the fight capital of the world, and there is no strongman event here. No, UFC, it's the home of the UFC now, uh, obviously, and people come here to see shows, so it just seems obvious that we should give them a show. Yeah. We, 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 we want to expand the, the company as much as we can, and it seems like a, a natural place to come. I came out here before COVID and looked at some different arenas, and then obviously COVID sort of put a scupper on that for a while, but everything's back as it was now, hopefully stays that way. Yeah. In the UK, we're just smashing it. Um, it's going fantastic. But yeah, just looking at different ways of expanding now, really, and, and getting out there into the world instead of bringing the athletes across to the UK all the time. Maybe maybe we do it the other way around. 
Yeah, we got to get you out to to Las Vegas, even if it's the excuse just to come and see me, right? But I think there's, I think you've built that in into the excuse because well, obviously the missus is not here this time. No, she's not. No, <laughs> no, it's just me this time. So it's definitely business this time. Absolutely. But let's talk about Giants Live, and and you mentioned that Giants Live have got some big events that are coming up. Obviously next week. Unfortunately, the timing of this podcast, this event would have come and gone, but you've got a big event coming up in Scotland. Yeah, we've got the World Tour final next week. It's a fantastic event. The guys up in Glasgow, the fans are so oh, they into it. it. Yeah. Absolutely mental. It's a sellout event. We've got the Stoltmans there, which is great, because obviously it's not quite their hometown, but as close as you're going to get. They live up in the Highlands up there. All the crowds love the Stoltmans. We've got Hooper there. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, Hooper's coming, and obviously... Current world's strongest man, he always brings the fire. Mm-hmm. There's always that sort of natural tension between him and Tom. Tom's won it twice, Hooper's won it once and obviously wants to carry on. So, not, not that the guys don't get on, but there's that natural sort of rivalry. Yeah. And, and I love that. And, and, and uh, once they're on the, on the arena floor, it's, it's very serious. Mm-hmm. And when you've got guys like that, obviously everyone in that lineup is, is top notch, but people are are looking at three or four of the guys to win that. We've also got the World Loglift Championships there, and Ian Bibby's coming back as a guest to try and break his own world record. And obviously he's just just unbelievable presser, so that's going to be cool to see. Oh, you mentioned, you've mentioned four names there, and I want to talk about every one of them names. The Stoltman brothers, again, they're, they're what they've achieved, and the branding and the... I truly look at them guys, and as you have a product, you have Giants Life. As a promoter, what a great story of two brothers, brothers in iron, but literal blood brothers. They're just good guys. That are great guys, great story. Again, they're from the Highlands, and Scotland has a synonymous strength undertones to it. From the marketing element, obviously as a promoter myself and, and a business guy, what a great story to talk about. And they've just released that new book of theirs too, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, they bounce off each other really well. Obviously, the brothers, they get on really well. Tom's done so much for autism. He's done a hell of a lot getting it out there, and and, and he uses it, as he says, as his superpower. That gives so much inspiration to, especially young kids that have got it, that might think, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Find themselves that they don't think they've got many options. Yeah. And then you've got Tom there, he's the strongest man on the planet. Luke's always by his side. Luke's always top ten in the, in the world as well. And it's just nice. It's nice to get them to a show. And, and people really like them because they're genuinely nice guys. They put out great content for people to watch yeah. now. Obviously, it's all about the online stuff now. <laughs> uh, but, the, yeah, the, the, the market themselves so well. Yeah. And, and the genuine guys as well. People can see that. Yeah, they truly are. And, and they're very lovable and likeable, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, can't not like them. And then you've got Mitchell Hooper, who tries to be the heel. Yeah. Obviously, Mitchell Hooper has been a, a guest of the show. Great guest of the show. He, he, he told, again, he was very vulnerable. And I feel, truly, when you come on a podcast, especially as a strong man, I feel there's this, like a firewall. You only want to show the best side. I'm the strong guy. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm built like this. But when somebody is vulnerable and talks about their strengths as well as their weaknesses. I have a lot of admiration for somebody like that. And, and that's what Mitchell Hooper done. He came on you fresh off a fantastic win, World's Strongest Man, and talked about everything and in between. And again, he plays, I feel, looking at him from the outside in as he's one of the newer guys on the scene. He plays the heel a little bit. The year before he won, he, he came <laughs> as a reserve. No one knew who he was. And all me and Colin had to go on really was some videos. 
And the thing is, when someone's training with their own kit, they can produce better-looking videos than reality. So we got these videos, he's doing these massive yokes, pulled a huge deadlift at the time mm. into the 400s, you're really impressive. So he came and we were impressed with him, enough to invite him to World's Strongest Man. I'm not saying he was totally unheard of, but he wasn't a name, if you like. Yeah. And then he won his group. Which you is know, <laughs> he, beat, he had Brian Shaw in his group, he beat Brian. No one's expecting that. I mean, Brian's a legend. Yeah. Brian's obviously won it so many times. And then everyone opened their eyes. He had a few weaknesses. When I say weaknesses, there weren't really weaknesses for a new guy. It's just he was so good at everything else. Mm. Like Consistent. Truck pull, he'd never done it before. Mm. So he just hadn't done it. It wasn't a weakness. Wow. You, how can you be expected to be, you're, you're at world's strongest man, and he never really done a proper truck pull before. <laughs> so he's asking people, well, what about this? What about footwear? So then the next year he comes back just with another year bit more confidence, mm. uh, and he's just an incredible guy, really. He's just one of these guys I imagine would have been good no matter what he'd done. He's mm. just like an athlete, because he's not. Uh, I don't want to say anything bad about the guy, but he's, you don't look at him and think, wow, that's the world's strongest man. You look at Tom or yeah. Thor or Eddie Hall, and you think, wow, you can see the world's strongest man. I think that's the allure to, to, to Mitch, too, is the fact that, to your point, you look at him and go, okay, he's an athlete. You can recognize that he's just a big by guy. he's yeah. a big guy. He could be a football player, but he's very elusive. You, you look at him and, and you think, okay, I know you look strong, but then, geez, Louise, he doesn't fit the cliche. And I think that's the appeal for him, too. He's, again, they're not just stereotypical looking strong man. And I think that's good for the sport. This is what I, I like about strong man. And this is one of the reasons I got into it because it's not subjective, right? If you're strong, that's, all, that's it. That's yeah. all you need. There's nothing else. Yeah. He, and and, and he's, yes, there's technique and there's experience. That'll come. Mm. Mitch came into it. Mitch is naturally a very talented, strong guy. Mm. Just like they all are, but he just doesn't look. If you saw Mitch walking down the street, you wouldn't go, oh my God, look at that. Whereas if you saw Iron Bibby, for Oof. instance, it's, this guy looks that? like he's come from another planet. And you say this guy's got the strongest shoulders. Obviously, you can see because he's, yeah. he's two metres wide. <laughs> but Mitch, you don't think that. But like I said, that's what I like about the sport. And I think, in a way, him not being this huge seven-foot-tall giant actually makes him sellable. Yes. He's a bit like, I can't remember, there was a film years ago with a guy, I can't remember what he called him, where he's just a normal guy with superpowers. It's, it's just, he's, he stands, he's got his own brand, which yes. is not being all muscled up and looking, and he's not got any bad weight on him either. No. And, and I think what he's done is he's put the effort in other sports. He was a marathon runner, so he's got all that in the bank. Bodybuilder. Was he a bodybuilder? He was, yeah, he'd done a men's physique show. It's not even right. a bodybuilder, he's men's physique. Okay, I didn't know that, but uh, yeah, I don't know how that's going to help him in his strongman career. But, I don't you know, know I'm sure. he looked good. Yeah, he looked good, definitely. Yeah. His hair was intact. And then you've got Iron Bibby, again, different again, just like this massive guy. He's not a static. He can move, by the way, can Iron Bibby. When yeah. he, he can move with yokes and things like yeah. that, huge legs. But he's not as in. He's not a mover with weight, mm -hmm. naturally fast, if you like, like pressing. He doesn't press quick. He presses slow. Mm. It's more like a bodybuilding type press. He's just got that raw power. He's, he doesn't jump underneath weights like some people do. Mm. Like Mitch, Mitch more jumps underneath his press. Yeah, Bibby's just a raw sort of press it slowly and. Just raw power with the, he's got 
legs on his arms. I met Diane Beebe through you. Obviously, one of the nicest guys uh, I think I met of that weekend. It was uh, post-finals. We were together at the World's Strongest Man. And uh, you introduced me to him. And he truly looks up to you, a father figure in a sense. So I, I, I noticed that prior to even knowing the story and your connection with him. But... Again, I looked at this guy, and you told me his story and where he's come from, and this guy's fucking arms. I couldn't say, even though the story in itself was incredible, I just looked at this guy, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like You're a freak of nature. There's guys like that come every million people, and I he's one of them guys. That like, <laughs> it sounds a bit far-fetched. Like, there needs to be some testing done on him, as in some sort should of be. gene testing, because where he comes from, Burkina Faso's it's at war, really. You know what I mean? It's not mm. a... It's not a peaceful place to be. Explain to where he's from, because he's isn't he like land trapped and, and, and everything yeah. around him is all at war? Yeah, it's all, there's like a red zone around him, like a no travel zone. It's no travel from the UK and probably from America. <sighs> and he takes it in his stride. He worries about his country. But like we walk out of here and you've got this beautiful gym and everything like that. And I've got a gym and even when I was competing, if I didn't have some, I'd just make it or get yeah. it made. He doesn't have anything like that. He's just starting now. He's just got got more equipment now. But people need to remember where he's got to. If you saw his gym before, people thought it was a joke, actually. But you're like doing cables with bags of sand going up in the air and things like that. But it was real. So he started coming over, as a lot of the athletes do. We have a bit of a training camp at the Giants Live Unit. The, the guys just stay at my house. I built a like a cottage. The guys all stay in. I want to talk about that, yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to, you can pop that cherry. Well, we can talk about it later. But I'm, it just okay. Stay in in talking about the, your giants' lives. But them are the four main guys that are going to be at the show, right? I don't want to do anyone else down. But you got Gav Bilton, you got Paro Dwyer coming back. Yeah, of course. Um, there's more to the list. Eddie Williams is doing it. There's Matt Rag, who qualified for official strongman last year. Yeah. Who got to the final in his first ever year. Yeah. And he'd never been to all strongest man before. Again, I think he was a bit nervous, so I think Matt's got a taste of it now, and he's a big guy. Yeah, Rags, big boy. Didn't he pull a hamstring or something at the World's Strongest Man? What happened? He, he injured himself? I think he got a small injury, yeah, nothing yeah. too serious. Okay. We had t- we had two new guys last year. We had Schoonwinkle that came through. <laughs> you, you, Schoonwinkle. I mean, you liked his name. He hurt himself. Yeah. He pulled his hamstring, I believe. It was um, in the dumbbell press, right? Yeah, yeah. and he came through, and I think he won his group as well. Yeah. The official strongman is a feeder system for Giants Live, mm-hmm. and Giants Live is a feeder system for World's Strongest Man, but the system's working so well, especially in heavyweight division, because I think we worked out five or six out of the final of the World's Strongest Man have come from official strongman. So, so you just mentioned something, now for the viewers that, that don't know about this, obviously I know there's probably a lot of strongman fans watching this, but for the viewers that are, that are watching solely from different sports and, and follow the podcast, you've just now mentioned a feeder system which feeds Giants Live, which Giants Live then feeds the world's strongest man. Official strongman is where guys like Evel Singleton have come through, yeah, guys yeah, like sure. Trey Mitchell, and many of the yeah. guys that we all know as world's strongest man and household names have come and started their career through official strongman. When I first started, the guys were running the sport, they were doing a good job, they were doing the best they could, but uh, I had to go do things like Highland Games to get seen and get in front of people, Dougie Edmonds was quite a influential character, so I got myself in front of him. Mm. Uh, Jamie Reeves, former World's Strongest Man. So you, you got yourself seen, but it wasn't that easy. You had to make sure you got in front of him, and not everybody's that way out. I, I was quite bullshit. I was like, I must be seen, because I, I think I'm good enough to go to Worlds. Mm-hmm. But not everyone's like that. 
that it was an idea of myself and Collins to do official strongman. So basically, you can qualify online, you can compete in your own gym, and and then you go to a, a European or a World Championships mm. just by doing the workouts in your gym. So you don't have to have that confidence. You don't have to go turn up at a show and go in front of someone. Eventually you do. Of course. But that confidence is built then if you see yourself moving up the online category. Mm. And we uh, facilitate like a couple of thousand people now yeah. doing that. We narrow it down to about four or 500 at the World Championships and two or 300 at the European Championships. But what's happening is we're getting some hellish athletes through mm. that are actually going straight from official strongman straight to the final of World's Strongest Man. Whereas years ago... That's a five-year timeline to do yeah. that. When I was doing it, it's, you've got to get yourself to a qualifier first, then to Britain's Strongest Man, then to maybe Europe's Strongest Man, then to World's Strongest Man, where if you're good enough, mm. you're going straight through. So what do you think has been the difference between guys now that are jumping into official strongman and being that good to go to the World's Strongest Man finals? What do you think the difference is from your era to the era it is now? Is it just the fact that there's more information out there to follow things on? Or? Yeah, I think the internet helps everything like mm. because it's just made it easier. And like I say, an online qualifier, there was nothing like that. When I started, my first show, I was 18. It was 1998, so that's showing how old I am. But if you go back to when World's Strongest Man first started... 1977, they invited Lou Ferrino, he was a bodybuilder. Yeah. They invited Franco Colombo. Colombo. They invited all the powerlifters mm -hmm. and, and big guys, basically. Yeah, there's some football players in there too. Exactly. And then, as it evolved, you still got the powerlifters that obviously suited World's Strongest Man and the football players, to be yeah. fair. And, and a lot of athletics people, throwers and things like that, came into it. People like Jeff Capes, he was a thrower. So that worked quite well because it was a new thing. Mm. Whereas I would think probably late 90s, early 2000s when I got into it, people were actually just starting. Like I, I just wanted to be a strongman when I was 16. Whereas that never happened before. Those guys all transitioned. Before 97, there wasn't a world's strongest man. So I wanted to be a strongman. And uh, so that's what I did. So I think from 2000 onwards, and now especially... We jump forward. CrossFit's probably helped us quite a lot. Yeah, and we've helped CrossFit because it's CrossFit's basically just a lighter version of strongman. That's what I call you it. Know, that's what it. That's what it is, and it's great. Yeah, and I think it helps us because it shows people now more aware of what a deadlift is and what yes, a squat is. They true, and what a press is because it's universal. What's heavy to one person? Mm -hmm. Have you seen? Sorry, Daz. Have you seen anybody coming over from CrossFit into official strongman? Um, a few in the lightweight categories. Yeah. So in official strongman, we do an under 80s and under 90s yeah. and under 105s. So there's a good change over there. Yeah. And I've also seen people go to CrossFit from the under 80s and under 90s. Hmm. So they're going with a massive strength base. Yeah. So yeah, it's just easier. And, and you're seeing people now, young lads that are going, right, I just want to do strongman. Yeah. They don't need to go to powerlifting. Mm. Although I think powerlifting is a great base for a strongman. Yeah. And maybe some of them do jump into it a bit early, but the opportunity is there. When I was 16, if official strongman would have been around, it probably would have saved me quite a few years. And the good thing is it's fair. There's no backdoor invites or anything like that. You've gone and you've earned your place. Simple yeah. as that. Before we talk about your, your history and in the, in the strongman, I want to finish off with, with talking about Giants Live because what you've created with Giants Live is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of your events live, not in the flesh yet, but thankfully, since you were, we, you and I have been friends and what you and Colin have done, and I mean, obviously you were more so particular, 
has been incredible for Strongman. I don't think there's enough praise given to you for all the work that you do. Granted, you admittedly, as friends, we ball bust, but when it comes down to it, you even said yourself, it's, um, I, I'm, not too, I'm not too fond of being in the limelight. If there's a camera, there's no problem. But I, I think, as your friend, I think that there's a time where, and the time is now for you to become more of a, a face. Every little bit of information, every bit of research I've done for this podcast, for us to get on you and talk, I've gone to the comment sections and seen what some people have been saying. No one negative comment in some of these podcasts you've done and some of these interviews you've done. And they all have said the common thing is we want to see more of Darren. Humble guy, great guy, same thing. Granted, they were from your mother, but <laughs> nonetheless, everybody wants to see more of you. And I think that the way you've done things where you've put the athletes first thing foremost, and as they should, some promoters want to be the, the star of the show, you haven't. But no, because the demand is there, people want to see you. And you've done the complete opposite where Dana White is the known pro promoter for the UFC. Let's take, use that as an example. Uh, you've just pushed from afar. But everybody knows what you've done and what you've created. And of course, from a fan's perspective, World's Strongest Man is the ultimate title. But you've created a league. You've given these athletes the opportunity to compete all over the country. And uh, incredible incredible venues sold out arenas 12,000 plus screaming for your favorite strongman uh, tell us how that started and obviously where we are right now with with giant's life I, d I don't i don't look for for that really the i'm not in it to be a, a dana white although i love the way he is that he's doing what he's doing i probably act a bit like that in my own personal life that i'm on my own mission Mm. And I'm not really bothered what other promoters are doing. I said, crack on, because I know what I'm doing. And I'm very proud of what we've done. Very proud of it. And it's my, as long as my heart's still beating, I'll probably be putting on shows, to be honest with you. I'm proud of what I did competing, mm -hmm. and I'm proud of what we've done with Giants Live. And we look after a lot of athletes. There's a lot of friendships there that I'm very proud of as well. This is, it's to me, it's quite a unique sport where all these guys get together and they always end up having a beer at the end of the night. It's so nice that they've battled on the arena floor and then afterwards it's a big cuddle and everything like that. It's a night, And I suppose my take on it is I don't want to start putting other promoters down. We get that. We, we've been put down by other promoters and I find it, I find it classless, to be honest. I'm not, that, I'm not like that. I think what the promoters do are actually very good. I think there's some great strongman promoters. I don't, I don't, have, anything, I don't have anything bad to say about the other shows. There's more money coming into the sport. But I do find it offensive when stuff said about me because this is my life. Everything is into this. Not I, I look after the athletes. Jesus, they all stay at my house. And and to be honest with you, if we're selling tickets, which we do, we sell everything out. Uh, we get massive ratings on television, mm. and I never hear any athletes complaining about what we do. We get we give invites out and people come. I'm happy with that. I don't care really. If another promoter says, oh, Giants Live is doing this wrong and that wrong, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's fine. All I know is these guys turn up to my shows. We have a great time. Everyone gets paid what they're meant to get paid. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. And at the end of it all, there's nobody out there that we haven't paid. There's nobody out there that we've done wrong by. Mm -hmm. And that's what we continue to do. This is a legitimate business. It's not just one show a year. This is a legitimate league and a business. We... 
we give out the most money across Strongman. I know people say, oh, well, this show gives out, this show gives out that. There's a lot of shows that give out more money per show than Giants Live. But we give out more across a year to more people, if that makes sense. We facilitate a lot of the women with uh, the official Strongman and now Giants Live. And we try and keep pe- people going all year round. It's, mm. it's a full league. And obviously the main prize is for these guys that really want to compete and not just worry about the pennies and the pounds, is that they want to go to World's Strongest Man and top three get to go to World's Strongest Man. And, and, and I think the proof's in the pudding. The quality of the television and the programmes that we're making... It's elevating the athletes. And I always see it as a total a swap of talent for elevation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think the athletes owe me anything. I don't think I owe them anything either. I think it's just without us, the athletes won't get built up. Without the athletes, we won't get built up. I think we all need to work together. And, and that's what's happening. And like I say, what there's always naysayers when you're doing well. If you weren't doing well, no one would talk about you. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. No one... If we weren't doing well, we won't get mentioned, and we do. You know, we do get mentioned, and that's fine. What, what kind of stuff are they, they even try to say about your, your show? It's just first class across the board. Yeah, it's usually just snidey comments and stuff oh. like that, and we all get that. And I'm yeah. cool with it. What I'm saying is, that I don't, I don't come on and and, and start slating people. Yeah. So I won't go down that road. Okay. now. I won't go down that road now. So don't try and drag, drag me down. I'm not there. going there. Tell me all about this guy. <laughs> but but no, I just won't do it, and I just. I'm very much, and the people that know me, the strong men that know me, yeah. the good friends, family, the people around me know, I just get on my own shit. And I'm not troubled with what anyone else does. I'm very motivated. I know where I want it to be. Yeah. I knew when I started it where I wanted it to be, and we're just continuing the process. And uh, what anyone says isn't really going to change that, so they may as well just sort of shut up, really. What you won't say, I'll say respectfully, no name is mentioned, but you've been wronged many times as a promoter false promises and you've never made sure that the athletes have been short pocketed yeah. if anything and in the in in many cases you've paid out your own pocket to make sure that athlete is taken care of compensated and then you take the hit and we're not talking pennies and pounds here we're talking yeah. now it's added up into the seven figures and i'll say that from your boy's perspective I know you won't say that, but again, there's a lot of people out there that are bad eggs. We get them in bodybuilding. Over-promise, under-deliver, promise something, people do it, they don't get paid for it, or I'll promise or it never comes through. There's a lot of them people that might have one go at something, and unfortunately then they set the bad name for that sport, that whatever it is. With you, because of your consistency throughout the league, from everything from the promotion of these athletes. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. Your, your YouTube page on Giants Live gets tens of millions of fo- tens of millions of views. There's yeah. one video I've seen that's got 75 fucking million f- views on it. It's, there's, it's there's incredible. One 170 million views. Oh my God, I stand corrected. Yeah. But again, that goes to show that you get it. You put money into production. You put money behind the elevation of these incredible athletes. And just like Dana White, you get the media element where an athlete to be built up not only, again, grows the sport, but it showcases that athlete and then fans can get behind that person. Everybody's going to have their favorite athlete. But when you get to tell a story, you're talking about Ian Bibby's, right? When you tell that story, you cannot not like that guy when you find out about the hardship he's gone through. And you guys do a fantastic job of putting these athletes <coughs> in, in these productions. And then aside from that, 
when you're walking out to salt out arenas with pyrotechnics, with camera crews shooting BTS, you sent me the last Royal Alba Hall. You sent me the live link and I was watching that. And I just couldn't believe that in between set changes, unlike obviously the World's Strongest Man, this is not, not, not a knock on the World's Strongest Man, it's production. And I come from the world of production where you shoot something, you stop, the whole set sets down, it goes to another area, it's all set back up, and it's done over two to three times a day, depending on the events, and then it all kicks off the next day. With you guys, you shoot live. You are changing the sets, and you just be rolling to a, a MC or somebody who's, who's live, that somebody's hyping up the crowd, and this is done systematically regardless of what happens one time and i just want to mention this because it's again it was incredible feat and we've mentioned him already ian baby was lifting was at the the royal alba hall and i don't know what happened for this to happen he'd already failed twice right i think it was his lifts and i don't know if it was you that got on the mic but somebody got on the mic got into his ear the crowd erupted. There's something special about the Royal Alba Hall anyway. And that chant, that that vibe, that energy, I felt through the screen that I was there. And again, that just goes to show the production that you do at Giants Life. Well, there's, di- there's different uh, aspects to a show. So you've got the production, as in the TV production. Now, we film things movie quality. You do. We've got the live stream, which is on officialstrongman.com, which... Is I, I don't know I I, I'm, I know I'm being biased but I, I haven't seen a better live stream. That's not you. Aren't. Um, and then obviously you've got the interaction with the fans as you're there, and also the one thing that we do that I don't think other promoters do enough of is building that athlete up. We'll go and we'll showcase that athlete. We'll make a video about them. It'll just cost us money. Yeah. But we'll make a showcase video about them, uh, their life, their family, and things like that. That's what's getting them the sponsorship as well. And, and we all grow together. We all grow together. Um, yeah, and uh, there's so many different aspects to it, and we just try and do the best job we can um, for the fans and for the athletes. Um, and, and it's got to be... We talk about UFC and Dana White and, and everything like that. Their attitude is this is a legitimate business. And they might say, that guy's getting so much for boxing and that guy's getting so much for, for, for doing all these different things, their attitude is, this is what we're doing. We're not bothered what they're doing. Mm. We're carrying on what we're doing. And this is a sustainable business that's going to spear for a long time. And we've seen some more, we've seen some, more, we've seen some promoters come and go. They've come, not paid the athletes. We've had people not pay us, unfortunately. Mm. And that's, there's more and more people that have been like that. But that said, there's some brilliant shows other than ours as well. Mm. The Rogue Invitational gives out the highest prize money in Strongman. It's a one-day show. It's fantastic. Yeah, great, it's great, great for the guys. We've got the Shaw Classic now. Great show. Yeah. Congrats to Brian. Done his first uh, Strongman event. That was a Brian Shaw Classic. Well, he, know, he knows what he's doing he with it because he's done so many shows, yeah. which is another great thing for me. I was a Strongman, yeah. so I knew what a bad show was and what a good show was. You've got the Arnold Classic. It's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Always a solid show. Mm-hmm. You've got all these other shows. And we need that because the guys need to keep moving and earn the money. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the difference is with ours, it's more of a league and, and a lot more shows per year, which is harder to do, yeah. especially to keep it at that quality. But the, everything's coming on. And, and like I say, instead of this this bickering, everyone's just got to grow together. Bickering is not going to get anybody anywhere. And I feel if everyone just got on with their own shit, 
they probably do a better job instead of worrying about what everyone else is doing. You just stay in your own lane. Listen, I, I'm a promoter. I, I, this is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast tonight at 8, at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, whatever the fuck the time is right now, because I leave to go to Canada tomorrow when I prop my own show. And for me, I've never looked at any other promoter with a green eye. I've looked at other promoters and I've gone, I like what you're doing there. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I So when you take the best of what's out there, and you truly put it back into your own product, as instead of looking at somebody with a green eye and saying, oh, fuck him. Let's be honest. When you break all this shit down, it's all envy, right? The, the, you are just at the top of the tree. You have no time to look down the mountain. You're looking at climbing higher, and you're investing more and more into your product. If you took Giants Live, let's just say from five years ago, it's a completely different product. But even Giants Life five years ago was still a better product than anything else was out you there. You can't compare what we're doing now to what we were then. F- even three years ago, things mm. have changed. And and I think it's just a matter of, like you say, everyone's staying in their own lane. And I think there's there's enough food for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just, just keep moving forward. And we have, we have Europe's Strongest Man and Britain's Strongest Man, the different titles. But at the end of the day, with these titles, everyone wants to be world's strongest man. Yeah, and that, and the only way to go to world's strongest man is through Giants Life. Yeah, one of the main options, anyway. Or, or former winners. That's, yeah. that's how it works. So it's just creating this feeder system, making it fair, mm-hmm. making it enjoyable as well. Yeah. I want athletes to to say, "Fuck it, I enjoyed that," and which people do. Yeah, say, "What a night!" Even at the official strongman, the under eighties, under nineties, we get loads of praise off them because they've never been treated like that before. Mm-hmm. We put the big screens up and coming out to smoke and all this sort of... Which is great. And and there's some great sort of stars coming up through that as well. Don't even fucking look at me, Dad. This is it. I'm trying to convince you to do the... I'm fucking retired. Under man. 90s. My back is good. My knees are fucked. I don't need uh, anything You don't else. need knees. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's knees are knackered in strong, man. Yeah. Obviously, the director of World's Strongest Man, and I had the chance of seeing you in action and what you do for that event, which is, again, for... For somebody who has gone through four World's Strongest Man tournaments, I'll get into that in a second, but you truly know, as you've already said, what a show should run and look like, from not only from the media standpoint, but also what the demands of the athlete too. And this year's World's Strongest Man, oh my gosh, we were hit hard with our rain. And, but what I liked going into that tent was you had the athlete's health and safety first. You weren't going to put these guys out there and deadlift in the rain and because you knew that, hey, listen, yes, we're televising this, but there's a lot of different and safe alternative lifts that you can do in the rain. When other promoters would be like, ah, oh, this is the fixed shit. I've done the cameras. They're all set. You were like, I don't give a fuck. This yep. is how it's going to do and this is my, my, my priority as the athletes. We came across a few problems at World's Strongest Man this year, mainly weather problems. Everything worked out okay in the end. We're really trying to look after the athletes because... Let's be honest, it's dangerous enough as it is lifting. These guys are lifting to just about humanly capable. That's what this is. There's no getting around it. Mm. Any normal guys that think, oh, I could do that, just doesn't work like that. The reality of it is it doesn't work like that. And so it's it's about safety. So with Giants Live, we're putting like a health program now where all the guys get blood tested. This is is all moving forward as well. Every show, we work with the blood lab so the guys can get tested any time they want to make sure everything's working right which is really important, and that's one thing. When I was competing years ago, mm-hmm. I would love to have that. The technology oh. just wasn't there to you, to, yeah. to the hand like that. Same as World's Strongest Man. The medicals you've got to go through are massive now yeah. to make sure everything everything's cool. 
and which the guys don't always like that, but this is what it is. You've got to be fit to be able to do this because it is putting a lot of pressure on your body. And we've got to make sure there's there's a duty of care to the guys because, by and large, we're all friends as well. We want to make sure everyone's, when they're on the start line, just about to put that massive pressure on the body yeah. that they're fit and healthy. Yeah. I've noticed that the strong men also over the last, it's not been a decade, but I say over the last, maybe just under a decade, the attention to their physique has changed too. A lot of these guys were holding a little bit extra weight, I'd say maybe 10 years ago. Now these guys have shifted. They're more athletically built. They're a little differently. Is that because of the health risks or is that because of the evolution of where the sport is now, where it's more a mix between strongmen and some cardiovascular? uh, uh, I think that's the evolution of the sport, whereas some shows are actually going more for the heavy, real heavy static stuff, stuff. which is fine as well. I think the Mm. variation's great because, let's say, the show classic's really heavy, which suits certain athletes. The Arnold's is always quite heavy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really good because the certain athletes will go, like Big Z used to win the Arnold's every year because he was just so statically Focus, strong. Yeah. In those days, was winning World Strongest Man because it's there's a lot more strength stamina mm-hmm. in those competitions. But it's good to have that variation for the athlete. I don't think either one of them are bad. I could judge, you go back in time, you can judge the athletes differently in different eras. And I think that everything's gone through phases of, yeah. there was a time where World Strongest Man and a lot of shows were just too light. They were, carrying bags of coal that normal guys could have done. <laughs> Blowing then, up hot water bottles. Exactly, yeah. Whereas I think now it's just found a nice balance. So you come to one of our shows, there's always a max lift. Mm-hmm. There's always a couple of real gruelers. And then there might be one where you just, you know, something like Conan's wheel or a, a shield walk or farmer's walk where it's just quick moving. Mm-hmm. And that's what we believe strength is. It, it's not powerless. It's not stood in one spot everything and squatting, it's trying to make it more interesting. And moving a lot of weight fast is also strength in a different way, strength of stamina, which where someone like Hooper comes in, mm. unbelievably, he can just move so quick with weight on his back. He's the, as we said, he's the new era of, of strongman, I believe. I look yeah. at, I mentioned it already, but I look at him and he's ticks all in boxes. But again, he's not the cliche, and, and not to rehash that conversation we had earlier, but different events, different... And again, you said stay in your lane earlier. So for the non strongman fans of people who are watching casually you look at what the lifts that go on in the world's strongest man and then you look at another event another whatever it would be and they might be poised more to them static lifts which would suit a certain uh, body type or, or lifter and then the next week the same athletes could be in another show and that same athlete who won could be fourth fifth Everybody gets judged off the world's strongest man, and I think everybody thinks then that world's strongest man throughout the board and, and in every show that he does after world's strongest man will win, but that's not the case. No. And I think from a promoter standpoint, that's great for hyping up that world's strongest man because some of these guys have already beaten each other in yeah. in, in your shows and other shows, and then when it comes to the world's strongest man, it all hits that head. And uh, talking about world's strongest man, and as you a competitor, a fan, and we've already established that your passion comes from the fact that you've been in the trenches, you understand the mentality of the athletes, you understand the demands. You started off 16 years old, strong man. That was the that was your kind of first entry point to the sport. And at that age, where did that even come from? Because I'm guessing there was not like many guys that are, were around you that wanted to be strong, man. Or was it just the fact that you were just that strong at 16 and you found yourself in the sport? I went into a gym at, at 16, 
15 or 16 just because I'd done a lot of cycling and, and a bit of judo and things like that at, at school that everyone does. I was never into rugby or football and I wasn't particularly known for being sporty, if I was yeah. honest with you. And then I had, I had a, a vision of what I wanted to do when I left school and and uh, I wanted to be a mechanic. I wanted oh. to be a truck mechanic. Huh. My my uh, family had always been in the haulage business. That's what I'm going to do. Couldn't wait to leave school. Didn't do very well. Yeah, that's cool. It wasn't for me, really. And then I left. And I just... I thought that leaving school was going to be different to what it was. I thought mm. the world's going to open up and there's going to be so many opportunities. And I started going to college and, and I just thought, oh, shit, this is horrible. This is If this is life... I'm not liking this, you know what I mean? I just felt mm. so lost and needed a purpose, really. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I know I was just like there, just going to work, going out with my pals on a weekend. And I'm not saying I wasn't enjoying myself, but I just felt like it's got to be more than this. Anyhow, I started losing a little bit of weight. I was only probably 12 stone anyway, but I was getting migraines. So someone said, you need to go to the gym, put some weight on. So, that's, so then one of the guys that I work with said, I go to a gym, so I went with him. And I just was really strong, simple as that, when I went in the gym and started training, loving the deadlift and the squats. And I used to do, like, leg press as one thing. I used to be able to leg press all the stack with people sat on it and all this mm. my teenage years. And I met Dave Warner, who actually works. He's a referee for Giants Live now. Hey, judge. Yeah, and judge. Judge, yeah, he's a, and at World's Strongest Man. Dave, again, been involved in the sport all his life, done a lot. Same as Colin, always been there. Colin's been at World's Strongest yeah. Man forever. And he was getting ready for Britain's Strongest Man. And I was lifting one day, and I could do basically a 270 kilo deadlift straight away. So he was like, wow, that, that's pretty good. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've been training a few months. So he said, do you want to train with me? And I was like, yeah, because this Dave, he, was, he went to World's Strongest Man. He was one of the top guys in Britain, and he was just coming into it at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started training with him, and I just loved it. I just fell in love with it straight away, and that was it. I just couldn't stop it. I, there was not, there was. No, I was interested in nothing else in my life. Yeah. That was it. Just wanted to, just earn enough money to be able to train, eat right. You know the story. You've done it yourself. I was the guy, same you know, guy. And this is a story that probably most athletes will see mm. because I believe, yeah, you've got to have good genetics and things like that. But you've got to have it in you. You've got to love something. You've got to wake up in the morning. I'd wake up in the morning thinking, "I'm going to get stronger today." What? Was, and it was all about. If I was at work, it was about eating because I'm going to the gym at five o'clock. That's right. You know, that's called, you know what that is? A fucking obsession yeah. to become the best. Yeah, it, it, it was an obsession. And now, obviously, I know a lot of guys like yourself and people got friendly with and all the people, anyone who's done World's Strongest Man, even if they came last, was stronger than anybody that walks in most gyms that anybody's ever met. Absolutely. It's quite an extreme level of strength. And I just immersed myself in it because I found I felt like that was the only thing I was good at that time. I didn't feel like I was good at life, if that makes sense. I didn't feel like I wasn't ever going to be a doctor or anything like that. So I just immersed myself in it, and and that was that. I just I said to Dave Warner when I was sixteen years old, "I'm going to go to World's Strongest Man," and everyone and I said to a lot of people that to be fair, and I think everyone thought I was mad, but I just and any, anybody that knows me from that time, I'm not just saying it. I'm not bragging about it, but I just literally got my head down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was the lightest person ever to do World's Strongest Man. I turned professional, if you like, when I was, like, 22. I was at Britain's Strongest Man. Mm. 
and that was it. Just totally obsessed with it because I just felt it was that was my thing, and I didn't want. I, I just felt like I didn't want to be just a normal guy just doing that normal going to work and all that. And I, I don't mean that to sound disrespectful. I just didn't want to do that. No. And I want. Same. I, I wanted to work. I'd work whatever. I believe everything's earned, nothing's given, but. I just wanted to do something for myself. Yeah. Like Giants Live. That's why I don't come on many podcasts. I know this is weird because we're on a podcast, but I don't shout about, oh, I've done this, I've done that. Mm. I do it for me. And I do it because when I ring people up or do you want to do a Giants Live, the reaction that we get is unbelievable because oh, this, it's almost life-changing for them because I know the amount of work they've put in. Yeah. To get an invite to one of my shows, they might have put in 15 years' work in the past. Mm. So I know how much it means. I've been there, you know what I mean? And building this infrastructure of official strongman, I've got the T-shirt of doing that. Yeah, I didn't win World's Strongest Man, but I did my best, and I, and I caused a few disruptions while I was there. Everyone, yeah. knew If I was in the group, I was a little guy. And my thought was always, listen, everyone was bigger than me, so if I get beat, I'm the little guy, it's fine, but if I beat you, do you know what I mean? It looks bad on you. Uh, you, you say little guy, how tall are you now? Five foot two, right? Something like that, yeah, a bit taller than you, I think. <laughs> You, you don't need to start talking to me about uh, how tall we are. This fucking podcast has gone south. Yeah. If the real ass comes out, yeah, it's going to go yeah. shit. Yeah, don't do that. No, no, but all jokes aside, what is the average height for a strongman that's competing right now? And even when, when you were competing? Well, what when, do you think it is? Well over six foot. Yeah. I mean, now there's just absolute giants. There always had been like a few people that came into it that were massive. But mm. in the last five years, there's been just like... There's literally like some guys that are like 200 kilos and getting on towards seven foot. Yeah. That you just, I honestly think now, back then I never had that attitude because I used to think I'll compete against anybody. Yeah. Whereas now I look at them, I think, gee, I don't know what I've done against <laughs> some of these guys because they're just absolutely freaks. But you're looking at it now from a retired perspective. Yeah. The athletes back then, you would look at these guys right now, the same yeah. mentality, you'd be like, fuck these guys. I beat some big guys. You did. There was some big guys well, there. L- let's talk about your career. Obviously, you reached the, fi- the world's strongest man four times. Uh-huh. You've arguably one of the best strongmen to come out of the United Kingdom, known as one of the greatest, shortest strongmen ever. And you've got world records, not the break this news but it got just got beaten but yeah you know yeah. but that stood for a number of years at the the conan wheel yeah an incredible record that stood its test of time and you've just done some incredible things listen as i've said to you i've been watching strongman for a number of years and every time it was televised during christmas time we didn't know who reached the finals but every group stage anybody from the uk was always cheered upon i remember uh, and i know we've spoke about this but the year that there was in the group stage of you, Fister, Pujanowski, and uh, you went to the deadlifts. Let's talk about that story and how that went down. Yeah, to be honest with you, that was my first year at World's Strongest Man. The first? Was it really? Yeah, so I've Wow, got, I remember this very vividly. Yeah, so I've got my first year, I've got Pujanowski, five-time champion. <laughs> and arguably, if you want to go on titles, he was the greatest ever at World's Strongest yeah. Man. Won it five times and then obviously... There's a couple of that won it four times. Brian, Magnus, Ver, Big Z, all had different strengths. By the way, I'm, yes. I, I don't like to put one above another. Yeah. But they all had their own different strengths, and I won't say weaknesses because they didn't really <laughs> have any weaknesses. But but uh, I had I had Pudzianowski in my group. I had who was Russia's strongest man at the time, and I also had Phil Fister, who who actually won it that year. Yeah. So I had a real tough group, but I got stuck in. You know what I mean? And I, I enjoyed myself and. 
like every year, I just got stuck in and won a couple of events that year. Beat Maris in a couple of events, which was cool. It was, it, I, I loved it. I loved the fact that I was in that group and even coming into the last event, mm-hmm. most of us could have got through to the final. Still, I, I went up against Marius in the Stones, and it was still possible for me to go through to the final. It was not probable, but it was possible because mm. problem is you're up against Marius, who just throws them about like the marbles. But I was proud to be there. You know, you represent your country, and and uh, yeah, I, I was I was proud of it. You just totally skipped over that story, by the way, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the the story of 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 what I remember from the, the the TV screens and 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 it being shown over Christmas was this was uh, a race. And it was Marius and Fista. They were truly going at it. And as it went down to the deadlifts, Marius thought nobody was going to beat him, right? It was a time deadlift. And obviously, from the interviews that you've done in the past, none of these guys thought, oh, Sadler's not going to put the time on this, or whatever it was. So I remember watching live Marius shouting at you, encouraging you on. And then he realizes, oh, this fucker's going to beat me. He just wanted me to beat Fista. And and the and the Russian guy, yeah. So he could then obviously get the points, get the full points, and then I beat him, which was nice. These moments are nice, and I don't want to sit and compare myself to Maris Pudzianowski because he he was a hell of a strong man. But to get these little wins was a big thing for Absolutely, me. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, and and like I said, I wouldn't sit and say hey, I brag too much about beating Marius, but I did beat him a few times in, yeah. in events, in a couple of events, which is cool from a lad from Borough Bridge and. North Yorkshire had to go yeah. and do that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's some nice moments. And you, you could have reached the finals that year had not been for, I think it was just a squeak out or something on, on yeah, the I, left. Yeah, I slipped with a barrel. I had to put the barrel on the platform and it slipped off. And, yeah, just a few bits of bad luck. But I went away from that thinking, shit, I had some bits of bad luck there. Mm. And then when I re-watched it, probably actually a year or two later, I realised that actually there was other people in my group that also had a bit of bad luck. That's part of it. Something just doesn't go right. You might be an inch off when you load a barrel and it falls off. Or mm. with, if you take a world's strongest man final, and I've done it a lot myself, and you go, if that guy there would have done one more rep on that log, he'd have moved up three places, but he couldn't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and there is a lot of what ifs. If I'd have just done that, now, if you'd have told that guy, if you do one more rep, then you might win world's strongest man. Maybe he could do it, but he didn't. And we can all look back, and we could have done this. I think you've just got to, you've got to think. That's what I did, and I'm pleased with what I did. And one thing, I always turned up in the best shape I could. Mm. Some people go, "Oh, I should have done this, and I could have done this." No, I trained very hard, and people around me know that. Mm. And I turned up the best I could be. There was no, "Oh, I'm not quite right." I was always right. I took it very seriously. So I don't have any regrets or. What ifs, really, because I think I turned up the best I could be. Absolutely. You do have the, the title of World's Strongest Man, 105. Yeah. That's a title that nobody can ever take off you, the strongest 105 kilo uh, strongman. Again, a title that, just like the 212, it's a weighted class, but nonetheless. that what, Why was it that you just didn't stay in the weighted class and you wanted to... To, to go up and, and go into the open against the, the taller, bigger guys? Because was it more so, man, I got a fucking point to prove against yeah. these guys and, and, and I know I can? Or because you could, again, quite happily stay in that 105 and kept on racking up their titles. The 105 was quite new then and there were some good guys in there, but now the 105 is getting massive, obviously, because, again, we, we're providing that 
Yo, you're promoting it. We're promoting right. it, yeah. <laughs> I'll say, I'll finish the sentence. <laughs> no, we're, we're providing that gateway through to everybody, so it's getting really quite big. Yeah. And I just got more of a kick out of going against the big guys. It was just me, really. Mm. And I, not that I didn't get a kick out of the 105s, I really enjoyed it. But I don't know the full reasons, but at the time, I think I could have got more titles in 105 and probably had a bigger trophy cabinet. Definitely could. There's no doubt about it, because I only did it for a couple of years, but... I also did what I also did the heavyweight world strongest man in the same year as the lightweight one mm. in 06. I did both, which I don't think anyone's ever done that before. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did both in 06. How, how much did that wipe you out? A lot because yeah. I had to weigh in at 105 in March. In September, I was like 120 odd kilos. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't that technical. That's the problem. Yeah. If I could go back in time, I don't have any regrets. And, and like I say, I tried the best I could and got the best results, but. There's a lot of stuff technically I would change of just because of what we've got now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like now cutting the way the people understand it more. Yeah. I just didn't eat. Do you know what I mean? I was just dieting like a normal diet. Wow. Whereas now these guys do water depletion, sodium depletion, and it's and there's a safe way of doing it. Whereas we were just turning up I went over to China to do World's Strongest Man and just didn't eat all the way on the plane because you knew, knew you had a weigh-in, which yeah. is actually dangerous. So it's more the, of the knowledge that now is being passed back yeah. from guys like yourself. Do, do you feel that you you have like the duty, not only as a promoter, but you mentioned that these guys come over and they stay in the Giants' Lives camp. You've got a gym, you've got a, a like a, a house that's your house. They all stay in and around you and your family. Is it a is it something that you have a badge of honour of giving back now well, that you're retired? You know, I've got to say this. Where we are in the little town of Boroughbridge, that is the home of Giants Live. If you look at the crew, everyone comes from there. They're all my friends and family. So when athletes come over, they get made a big deal of. <laughs> so they end up fucking staying. They stay you know for a I long mean? time, do yeah, they? People have stayed for six months before. They can train on the kit. Yeah. Uh, and and it, so I have an open invite to anybody who is a pro strongman, if you like, right. to train on the kit, somewhere to stay. Mm. So they just come over, and and it, we can't get rid of them now. But I like <laughs> it because it's just giving a bit back, and we we're not asking anything for it. It's just building relationships, yeah. And that's what we've got. Like I said about this thing about promoters saying daft stuff. It's athletes love how they get treated because it's a personal thing. Mm. Like I say, I heard someone saying, "Oh." This person's greedy, and it's not like people stay at my house. Yeah. Mom stay at my house. Yeah, sit and eat dinner with my kids. Do you know what I mean? And your like, parents. It doesn't get any more personal than that. Mm. And I'm on about true friends. Forget about strongman. These are pals. These are friends of mine, yeah. and we all keep in touch. A lot of people. Mm. So you can't really fake that or buy that. It's it's nice. You you've done with with Giants Live. Created like the UFC PI. Dana has got this incredible facility which which is up the street and it's available to every UFC fighter on the rostrum. And in that PI physical institute, they have the ability to have free treatment, free strength and conditioning. They've got cold plunge, sauna, all the shebang, all the kit, as you said in and under that roof then and it's all for free now a lot of these guys who are again coming from different worlds overseas where they don't have the ability to get in front of different training partners and sparring partners or they can't afford coaches this has been an absolute blessing in disguise because all they've got to do is get on a plane and then find the accommodation and that's that in in your case you're giving them the accommodation you're giving them the place to train 
uh, all they've got to do is just bring their best version every single day. And, and in doing so, you've created such an incredible environment where these athletes who are going against each other are bettering one another every single day. It's It's been done by default, really. This wasn't the plan. It's just we come over and everyone is involved in the gym, around the family, the friends, everyone gets involved. So it's, this isn't something that was planned. However, now the company's building, it's growing. So we're going to build an actual, the plans are in now to build like a giant's life centre of excellence where it is more like that. Wow. And I do like it when you talk about us like the UFC and keep doing that if you like. But yeah, that's we, we look at things like WWE and UFC, mm-hmm. things that have a crossover of our fans and our athletes, mm-hmm. big guys, and we do try and replicate as much of it as we can. And that's one thing that we are doing is building a facility that is just for pro strongmen to come and, and use the kit. And that works in other ways as well, because now when the kit gets rolled out, I'm always trying to think of new ideas of, of, of stuff to do, because obviously with strongman, you can pull and push and drag, and there's only so many things you can do. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to create new things all the time. So it means if you've got some guys around that, that can test it, because not yeah. everyone can, obviously, it's great. So when they get to the actual day, we know the equipment's going to work as opposed to me just winging it. Yeah, you've got some inhuman-looking creatures that will definitely test this kit out for all its weaknesses. Well, um, my, my, my gym, it's a gym for everyone in the in the town that I live in. Mm-hmm. But it's quite funny because some people walk in and, <laughs> and, and there's, we have old ladies training there. We have different yeah. spin classes, fitness classes. And it's a big fact. It's my family that runs it. But then you have people walking in and Bill Kazma is sat in reception and Magnus for Magnuson's training his biceps and Bibby's doing his shoulders and Evan's in the corner deadlifting and people are like, what is going on in yeah. here? What have I walked into? And they like it. It's nice. Of course. It's probably nice when these guys haven't seen some of these strongmen because they're all characters and everybody who is in and around you, they know that they're representing them, not only themselves, but they're also representing Dan and Sadler in his own gym and, and watching the P's and Q's and every person you've mentioned right now with absolute class acts I've never yeah. seen or heard anything bad about them so I guess it's probably exciting from your uh, members to see some of these guys come back after a couple of months congratulate them for whatever they've done wins placings whatever but also build their own relationships uh, with these guys who are the best of the best uh, in your gym yeah it's, it's quite unique and it's it's good it's infectious and also you get people that, that come in there and there are actually, Luke Richardson came in my gym when he was 18, 19. Wow. He went on to win the World Power, IPF Powerlifting yeah. Championships, the Europeans, World Strongest Man finalist. He came in, he was just a skinny lad and now one of the one of the strongest guys in the world. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to see that progression, especially with official strongman because you see him right through to the end. And I get a big kick out of it. That's one of the reasons that I do it for. And I ain't going to sit in and, and say I'm doing it for charity because I'm not. This is a business. Yeah. But I also get a lot out of it for myself because when I finished doing Strongman, a bit like when I left school, when I finished, I was like, what am I going to do now? I'd opened the gym and ended up I was just, all I wanted to do, my, my plan was to, to open the gym. So when I finished Strongman, I had somewhere that was relevant that I could work and, and try and earn some money yeah. uh, r- instead of lifting rocks for a living, you know <laughs> what I mean? Which is what I'd done to that point, really. And uh, so I opened the gym thinking, that's me. When I retire, I'll sit in the gym. Yeah. And then after about six months of being a gym receptionist, <laughs> I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. So then my brain starts ticking. 
and the wife's thinking, what's she doing now? Yeah. And then I've always got these different ideas, and you've spent time with me, I'm always thinking about different things. And As I am with you yeah. too. Yeah, we're both... Wife's worst nightmare, yeah. because it's what we're going to do next. We can't we just sit down and calm down? No, we need to keep doing stuff. Mm-hmm. More and more shows of what we're going to do. And when I finished Strongman, I had the same feeling of when I've left school, thinking, oh, is that it? This is mm-hmm. it. Like, now I'm... Basically, I'm working on my gym reception forever. And it, it was such a daunting feeling. And then, so I was like, I'm going to be a strongman promoter. That's the natural thing. That's what I'm going to do. So everything's been thrown into that mm-hmm. now. Just like everything was thrown. I'm not like a guy who just puts a little bit in. And you, you spoke to a lot of the guys. Like, I just don't, I don't want to do a little show. I want them coming out to fireworks. And I want them, I want the equipment to look like it's inhuman, inhuman to lift. Yeah. So everything gets thrown in with me, really, which is good and bad. This is good and bad. I've got, like, this weird obsessive behaviour sometimes with things, and strongman has probably stopped me from doing other things that I shouldn't have done because I just, you know, it's I wake up and think about it and I go to yeah. sleep thinking about it. So it's probably done me as big a favour as I've done it. If uh, and I'll even extend that. It's the, the favour isn't that you've now been able to open up for these athletes. That obsession that we spoke about earlier that you had for uh, at a young age, waking up, thinking about it, and everything was all, every bit of money that you hustled or made and all went to Strongman, just like my world was bodybuilding. Every day I woke up, say it was a leg day, I would obsess by thinking about legs until I got there. It was nerves. It was everything for that day had to be ticked off uh, step by step. I knew that I had to eat more calories that day because of the leg day. It was going to be hellish. It was going to be a nausea, fucking workout probably. And I know that's the same thing for you. But that obsession that was transitioned into you becoming that uh, strongman promoter and the best version of of that strongman promoter too. But it's not about, yes, it's a business. And I can attest to this being a show promoter myself. I had the biggest show in Tennessee. We had athletes that came in from all surrounding states. It's because I put the athletes up front and, and as the show that they should be, under the lights that they should be. A lot of promoters be like, okay, let me get a venue that costs this much. My venue cost, I won't even say it, but it was five figures and it was high, you know, over the five number. Um but I wanted to put on a show that represented me, represented the athletes, and put these guys on the pedestal and under lights that they deserved. In fact, even went further, every judge, because we all have the bullshit politics that get called out after when somebody never places, or anybody that never wins, right? These guys and girls would say, oh, the only place, I didn't place because of this guy. He trains this guy. So what I done was I got judges from seven different states. So that was eliminated. I brought in the expo stage that's on the Mr. Olympia to Tennessee. The exact stage, the exact light. This is the same, ob- you're taking yes. that obsession from bodybuilding, obsession with the show. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like you talked about, you're thinking about training your legs all day. Yeah. Now, some people listen to that and think, that is the most stupid thing you could ever say. And and I used to get criticised a lot for, mm-hmm. all you're bothered about is going to the gym. <laughs> oh, there's a wedding on. I can't, yeah. I'm going to have to be late. There's this on, there's that on. And I and I got criticised a lot for it. And and it must have been hard for the people around me, to be honest with you, because there wasn't anybody convincing me that it wasn't the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like it's paying off a little bit because... It's, it's coming back in other ways. We've got a good life now from it, mm. and we've provided a good life for the athletes. 
and that obsession isn't now about putting all that strain on my body. I'm getting towards mid forties. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, and now Damn, I can so you're fucking fifties, mate. Yeah, I know. Like look a, tough, a bit old. Tough paper on, right? Huh? It is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just changing that obsession round is what's done it. Yeah, I want I want to bring this point up, and I, and then I got to jet off because I've got a plane to catch, but. I can't get you on the podcast and not talk about the infamous battle that went on between Eddie Hall and Thor. That, of course, became global. And unless you were hiding under a rock, everybody knew about this, whether it was through the boxing or whether it was through the competitive element of strongman. How much did that help the sport of strongman when them two in their peak were going at it? I think it helped it massively. So we, from our point of view, we had them obviously both at World's Strongest Man. The, both those guys have a lot in common. Do you know what I mean? They absolutely hate each other. <laughs> That's and the common. They're, to- they're totally different people in a way as well. Yeah. They're, both, they're both big sort of family men. They're both obviously obs- they were obsessed with winning World's Strongest Man. Um, and, and at the time, it was, I would say it was quite a difficult time for a lot of people. Because a lot of people got dragged into that. And it was real. Anybody who thinks that wasn't real, I was there, it was real. There was conspiracies, there was different things going on. But they generally didn't like each other, simple as that. But they both wanted the same thing, which is what the World's Strongest Man title. Mm. Getting back to the, how important this is, this World's Strongest Man title. The, they're both incredible athletes. They're both one World's Strongest Man, so obviously they're incredible at that. And I think a lot of stuff went on. And I think looking back at it, from my opinion, is they were probably actually very good for each other because that hatred probably drove them to be better. Mm. Looking looking back at it now, obviously there was different things that went on there, both sides. And I don't want to I don't want to start taking sides on these things. A lot of people know stuff that went on, but I think in hindsight, the whole situation made them who they are, mm. and obviously probably caused a lot of entertainment for the world as well at the same time. Oh, people were loving it. Even f- friends of mine who are not into Strongman became involved in the the moving parts of everything, and then they became Strongman fans. They started looking at other athletes then that they had seen through Fall, both Eddie, or Thor. And from my standpoint, if I was to look at it from a promoter and look at it from an athlete looking at it from a fan, three different perspectives. You've got one hell of a fucking brewing show there, and I think you guys done a great job of putting a little bit of gasoline, not too much, on it to make sure it was always... Well, fo- I mean, they competed against each other yeah. at our shows, and like I said, the hate was real. It wasn't people like, oh, yeah, it's just to sell tickets. No. Did you have any issues where you had to separate them? They just stayed away from each other. So you had, stayed away from each other. As a promoter, did you have to try and keep them in different areas until they... They just stayed away from each other. Oh, they just did. Yeah, they, because, they knew. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously two big guys like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. I didn't want to be the guy stood in the middle of them, put it that way. <laughs> but you've got... We talk about this obsession that we've had, bodybuilding, strongman, or anybody that's in any sport that's done really well at it has got to be obsessed with it. But sort of Eddie would go to, he had hyperbaric chambers, whatever he could do mm. to get that 1%. Eddie's quite a special character in that means of whatever it takes. He said, what I'm going to do. When he pulled the 500, it was massive when oh. he did it. And I would say probably reality, I think 20% of people thought he'd do that. I wasn't sure. 
obviously it was my show. You were judging, right? We set it all up. Yeah. It was I'd chosen the the jumps based on someone doing five hundred. That was like forty odd kilos above the world record. The world record was going up one kilo at a time in previous years, and all of a sudden, like Eddie said, I can do five hundred. So I've had to put those jumps. Nobody agreed with us. Everyone's like, can't do it. So why are you going four six? We went four hundred sixty five kilos, five hundred. Why are you doing that? Because no one's going to pull it. Even I'm like, okay, possibly not. But they were putting on a show, and he said, and Eddie was pulling massive weights then, and and he did it, and it was unbelievable. And he pushed his body to the limits to do it. And massive respect for him. He's, he, what he wants, he'll work hard for. It. Simple as that. And you got Thor, who wanted to win World's Strongest Man. Again, unbelievable genetics. The same sort of guy. Thor's diet everywhere. He was always eating the right food, the training. Obviously, he's got that Icelandic blood, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, that. I think that must <laughs> be the best blood you can get. So some of these guys really stand out because mm-hmm. the, they've got the genetics of being a massive guy, close to 200 kilos, They've got that passion that we talked about, and also they can they can work everything out the training, the diet, and 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 what to do. Brian was a great example of that. Everything's methodical, and you've got to take your hat off to him. And everything just lines up for those guys. And we had a real nice time around the sort of 2020 where they were all battling it out. And now we've got a new era. Now we've got Tom and and Mitch, and and this will keep rolling on, which I'm excited about. Yeah. And we've got Hapthor coming back to Strongman as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's... See, that's news to me. Yeah, I think he made a tweet saying he was coming back. You think he is? I don't know. He's. I would never write him off because mm. he's so gifted and he, he tends to do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. He's not a bullshit. Yeah, I think he will come back. If he does come back, uh, obviously he's not going to come back to place, right? He's coming back to win. So that would be an absolute oh, great yeah. addition to the Strongman circuit to see. The, and of course, let's not beat around the bush. Firstly, before I talk about Thor, Eddie Hall, what he's done post Strongman has been incredible. He's probably got one of the biggest YouTube pages out there. Very recognisable to the point where he can't go anywhere in the UK. And him and I were speaking about that. He's become so famous through the platform that Strongman has given him. And he does so much different things now with so many different athletes. As I said, he's got his his YouTube page now where he's uh, Strongman tries and he does all these kind of different things. And Eddie is such an athlete, of course, he has a pedigree as a swimmer, as a boxer, and uh, he's done a lot of different things, but he truly has the charisma too, which when you're a a big guy like that, to have charisma is such a draw. It sells strongman wherever you go, because now Eddie, yes, he's, he's won it once, but nonetheless, people, they just know him as world's strongest man you got brian shaw four times world's strongest man but you look at brian you say, wow you look like the world's strongest man just yeah. like eddie you got thor who has gone on to win the world's strongest man and then gone on to become such a big face in hollywood yeah. you look at somebody like thor and again you're either knowing him for yes you know him as a strong man but you could just see him and you are the mountain from game of thrones yeah. and strong man have given him the, the foundation to become the, the person, the character that he is. And, and all these guys you've mentioned of all, whether they, they still have this or not, but they've done very well financially. They've won millions of dollars, becoming the world's strongest man. And, and as you and I have, have spoken about from winning the world's strongest man alone, that title in itself is so financially rewarding. That's one of the reasons why these guys battle. And again, 
invest in the hyperbaric chambers, invest in, in going the extra miles and having the meticulous diets because they know now as athletes, it goes down to the wire and there's a lot of money at stake as well as the world's strongest man title. Yeah, once they've won world's strongest man, they'll always be world's strongest man, like the Mr. Olympia titles. You've always got that. Eddie's got such charisma as well. He's, he's so sellable. Mm. And all these guys, Thor, Eddie, they helped build our brand massively as much as we helped them. Mm. They helped us as well. We all came up together, and, and, and now it's so nice to see these guys doing acting roles and things like that. And they've come from... Giants Live, World's Strongest Man, and other shows as well. And it's nice to see that it's not just a matter of they've finished Strongman now. Mm. Like you said, Eddie's a massive star now, YouTube and doing movies and things, and same with Thor. So it's not over for them, which years ago when you came out of Strongman, it was like, like I said, working in a gym or whatever. So it's, it's nice to see them moving on with a different path of life and putting, again, like we have said a million times, that sort of obsession that they would have had the same as we had into another thing it's acting, the next fighting whatever it might be yeah it doesn't matter what it is it's there and it, i don't think it goes away and i think if you i think if you don't deal with it mm. it'll it'll really eat you up like if you if you're known to be something mr olympia or a world's strongest man or a usain ball or whatever and then all of a sudden you're just a guy who's a little bit older mm. talking about what you've done I, I think it's a strange mental place to be Whereas if you can do something else, you're almost shifting that mental capacity across to something else. Mm-hmm. And that helped me a lot. And I see some guys getting fame and not dealing with it very well. That's one thing that, that now we're getting. It's like there's no book on that. Yeah. And, and I think that's tough. Uh, because careful what you wish for when, when you can't walk out with your kids in the street mm-hmm. and everyone knows who you are. But at least they're getting the, the notoriety and the money to be able to live Mm. There's no point in being a superstar and not having the money of a superstar because if you're living in a council house and everyone can knock on your door, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah. It's nice to see that everything's moving forward like that and hopefully they, those guys see that we've played a part in it as they've played a massive part in our expansion of our business. Mm. Obviously, their, their, their rivalry far extended past the, the strongman circuit and went on to become a massive pay-per-view uh, event which... Uh, Thor was the victor of that. Yeah. Um, do you think there's ever going to be a second uh, second bout in the future? Think you think? So. I was there. I thought it was a good fight. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. I thought they both. Got, I've seen worse fights. Yeah. Uh, and the, and they weren't fighters. So yeah. I thought it was great uh, to see them two guys go at it. Eddie put him down a couple of times. Thor was the victor. Thor was a bit more conditioned. Yeah. Um, but I thought that both. You could see the both trained really hard for it. They him. both did. I yeah. don't think they'll go at it again. I don't think they need to. I think they've done that. And, and like I said before, I think in a strange way, as much as they don't like each other, they probably helped each other in some ways anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I think they can both recognise that. And if they don't, then they go and need to get back into the ring and yeah, find maybe, out why yeah. not. But you, you mentioned about social media, uh, and this is an interesting topic for me because uh, when I was competing, the social media, the same for you, we didn't have to worry about fucking tripods and filming ourselves and stuff like that. But the evolution obviously, of the sport, which is something now that you play a part in because that element of social media and filming yourself and filming your lifts in the gym now is the business model for what you've got. Um, how do, how much do you think social media has, has played its part in, uh, you know, growing the sport and also a detriment? 
when we first started growing Giants Live, I'm more the logistics guy. Like, <laughs> I didn't even have one Instagram. You made my first Instagram post. Oh, shit. Is this still on? Is this still, still on? It's still on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, he made my first Instagram post. I did, actually. I'm... A, I'm I'm not into all that. I have to stay in my own sort of reality, if that makes sense. I'm not against it either, mm. but we have a really good team at Giants Live that film and push things forward. He's played a huge part. And Colin is obviously, he's more that side of things, the production, and, and he's got a great knowledge of that. Obviously, Colin does the the commentating on World's Strongest Man. He's also a tournament, tournament director with me, and he's great at that. You could put Colin in front of a million people and he knows what to say, whereas that's not me. So we've all we work well together because we've got our different different skills. But I think that social media can be very cruel and can spread things that shouldn't get spread, but it can also spread good messages as well. That's the thing, it's trying to keep that positive message and keep the sport moving forward in a positive way and everybody's making a bit more money and everyone's getting a bit more famous. And also everyone's still enjoying lifting shit. That's what it comes down to. Mm. Strength is is just a massive thing. Everybody, there's not who's the fastest, who's the strongest, who's the biggest. There's only so many things. Strength is one of those things that people are obsessed with. A lot of our fans, you don't need to be a strongman fan to watch it. But it's just like this guy's carrying a cow. Everyone's interested in that. And that's one of the reasons why strongman over Christmas time was so popular because, and, and I've said this many times, where my family would all be huddled around watching the group stages going all the way up. And then on New Year's Day, you'd have the finals. And we'd watch it around with my grandfather and my family, my mum and dad. And everybody would, even if they missed some of the group stages, you would, oh, come on, I want to see this guy do well. Or whatever. everybody had their favourite, kind of the Grand National every year when everybody put a little yeah. pound on something. Well, it was a little internal internal bets. But because I had, what, the inside knowledge, I always win. But nonetheless, Daz, in wrapping up the podcast... What's next? What 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 are you working on? And is there anything you want to talk and promote about before you um, land this plane? In general, we'll be launching the the twenty twenty four tour, which might have a few new dates on it. You'll have to watch out. So hopefully, a bit more in the US. Official strongman is is there online for everybody to use. Male, female, all the different weight categories. We have over fifties categories now. But Mark Felix keeps winning that, obviously. So yeah, it's just just putting it out there. Really, just we just keep building, keep growing, keep moving forward. Try and keep positive with everybody. Look after the athletes. Athletes are looking after us, and and that's it. I think it's. I think that everything's positive, with strongman moving forward. There's, there there shouldn't be any negativity because it's come so far. I've been there. I've seen it. I, I I was there when it was in car parks. It's not anymore. Yeah. And if you are good at it, it's easier to get where you should be with the ranking system, yeah. which is a big deal, really. There's no better point to end on that. You truly have taken, as well have seen, the strongman grow. As you said, it, you've been lifting in, in cow fields, which I know is true, yeah. as well as car parks to know, to seeing these incredible salt-out arenas, 12,000 plus, and putting the show as you do on and giving these incredible athletes the well-deserved platform that they they get uh, is a testament to, to to you as the promoter. So from from me to you as a strongman fan, you know what you've done to grow this sport has been tremendous. And obviously, we need more promoters like yourself that that want to grow the sport, not grow their pockets. 
Obviously, you have a business model that's down. And I've said the UFC many times because it does truly emulate the UFC. Dana White has been said many times about putting on shows and costs and this and that. But at the end of the day, you have a sustainable program that you're able to put the most amount of money in a league, bar none, Single shows, there might be a couple, a few uh, $10,000, tens of $1,000, a little bit more in some shows. But it, what you're doing for the strongman consistently throughout the season by giving them so many options to compete is, is a testament to you, mate. Again, I appreciate you. I know the comment section below is probably going to say much more than I've already said. Again, no other person I would turn up at fucking nine o'clock at night to do a podcast <laughs> Thank to you. than you, my friend. Of course, I leave to go to Canada. But again, my, my, my goodbyes would be done on the podcast. But it's always great to see you, man. Very excited to, to come and see a Giants live very soon. We'll keep that under wraps. But we're obviously, we're working on some cool stuff behind the scenes, and I'm excited to pop that cap off very soon man so for me to you i really appreciate you coming on and again leave the last words to you thank you thanks for having me on here appreciate it and uh, keep pushing forward sky's the limit all right darren sadler giants live promoter extraordinaire (laughs) world strongest man tournament director we 